This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are on Saturday morning. Yes, indeed. In some places in the country, the sun is not up yet or just coming up. And we are open for business. If you'd like to be part of today's program, all you have to do is dial 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And of course, we have a lot to discuss As is the case every Saturday, we will be joined in our last hour by America's Princess of Policy, the one and only, Her Highnessness, Her Royalnessness, the very beautiful Princess Diana. I think, and we're preparing it now, we had a wonderful time yesterday with Five for Fighting. Well, Five for Fighting is one guy, John Andrasik, and... Uh, he has a new song out. We played the song yesterday. I had one critic uh, reach out to me afterwards. But <laughs> I had a lot of love for that segment, and we have a lot of love for John here. It was a wonderful. So we may play the interview over again at some point during the, the next hour. Uh, we've got some things, and we had yesterday, I got to tell you something. Yesterday, I was disturbed by the segment that we did with Princess Di. There is this thing that I discovered yesterday, a new term that deals with male gender, and it's called tucking. And frankly, folks, this thing blew my mind and and left me quite upset. It's taking place at the Doran Becker Children's Hospital, Children's Hospital in Portland, Oregon. They bill themselves as the top-ranked children's hospital. They have a gender clinic, and in their quote-unquote gender clinic, they're offering advice to young boys on how they can tuck their genitals out of the way so that they can look smoother and flatter. And they also sell gender-affirming, quote, that's gender-affirming clothing, sex toys, and video for children. There's another story that's even worse today. And I don't know where all of this suddenly is coming from, but I'll tell you what. It is just proliferating all over the place. There have been a lot of stories about the NCAA championship, the swimming championship involving Leah Thompson over the last few days. And I don't want to pile on on any of this transgender or sexuality stuff, but it's in the news and it's all over the place. So... We're going to deal with some of it today, and I hope we can deal with it in a way that is not hurtful to people that are transgender. That is never the objective here. 
But this is affecting our society in very interesting ways, especially the programming that is now going on toward young boys. And so we are going to delve into it. Meanwhile, there's a story closer to home that we can start off with, which is in the New York Times today. By the way, before we do that, shout out to the New York Post. The New York Post has an amazing front page, splash page uh, cover story today on the 51 people from the spy agencies and from the intel community that all try to discredit their story on Hunter Biden's laptop, which this week the New York Times finally came around to saying, yeah, that laptop story was accurate. They, in fact, had all tried to blame the Hunter Biden story on disinformation. And there's another story in BizPack Review today. No, I'm sorry, American Wire News or BizPack Review, either one. They had a story today on this outfit news guard that supposedly there to make sure that we're all getting honest news. Well, they were among the other bunches of liberals that called this Hunter Biden story false. And these are the people that that liberals entrust to guard the news? Really? So we'll get into that. But first, from the New York Times today, utility bills piled up during the pandemic, and now they're wondering if in New York and around New York, there are going to be a massive number of shutoffs. Moratoriums have expired on turning off utilities for customers who fail to pay their bills, prompting fears that thousands of people could be left in the dark. When the pandemic led to lockdowns, triggering huge job losses, people in the New York City and surrounding region, that's all of us in the New York area, accumulated a mountain of debt. For many, that included utility bills. Residents in New York, New Jersey, owe a staggering sum of more than $2.4 billion to utility companies. Now, those companies want their money. Where the money? Show me the money. And they want the money now. So they're threatening shutoffs to collect. This is the first time in two years that they're saying, okay, you don't pay up, we're going to shut you off. And right now, advocates are pleading with that woman that is pretending to be New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, and other state lawmakers to use federal pandemic funds to bail out people who can't pay their utility bills. Without a bailout, the state faces the largest tidal wave of shutoffs in New York history. That's according to Richard Berkeley, the executive director of the Public Utility Law Project. They're an advocacy group. You know, there are a gazillion groups on the left. This is something that I continue to, 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 um, to be amazed at because the right has no kind of infrastructure like this. You name the topic, there's some group of quote-unquote activists or advocates or whatever on the left. Every week you can find the name of some other group, some other uh, uh, NGO or community activist group. doesn't matter what the topic is. They've got a group advocating for it. 
So according to the executive director of the Public Utility Law Project, without a bailout, the state, New York State, faces the largest tidal wave of shutoffs in our history. And to make matters worse, the war in Ukraine has reduced the global supply of oil. Well, well, well. Let's not blame Vladimir Putin for that. Vladimir Putin, let us let us put the blame where that belongs on Joe Biden and the Democrats' energy policies. And by the way, they're still demanding that Joe Biden go further off into this whole green, green, whatever it is that they're offering, this green energy reform stuff that never worked, never will work, never had a chance of working because they just don't learn. So my question to each and every one of you, well, number one, if you are among those people that owes money to the utility companies because of the pandemic, feel free to weigh in on this. I mean, I wonder if people, though, that have paid their bills are just kind of saying to themselves, look, I I paid my bills. It was hardship. I don't think the taxpayers should be paying. It's endless. We paid for rent except for the landlords, of course. They didn't get a bailout. The landlords were stuck in some cases. In some cases, landlords have been devastated in the New York area because governments, the local, state, and even federal government, sided with the tenants and said, oh, we're going to give tenants release. What about the landlords? What about the people that have their own mortgage? Oh, screw them. They can afford it. So now we have another group of, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but but we have another group of people with their hand extended saying, okay, we need help from the federal government. We need help to pay our, our, our utility bills. And the question I have is, is this fair to the rest of the people who do pay their bills? I mean, we all know that from time to time, everybody, almost everybody needs some help with something or another. So what do you think? And if you are one of those persons, people who got behind on your utility bill, are you expecting a federal handout to bail you out? Our mayor, Eric Adams. Well, he's on a tour of the nation. He's going to blue city after blue city. He was in Chicago with their failed mayor, Lori Lightfoot. And Mayor Adams promised while he was out there with Lori Lightfoot that he's going to take his campaign against gun violence. He was out in the Windy City, which, according to the New York Post, has been hit hard by a surge of homicides and shootings. This is nothing new. Chicago has been a deadly place for many of their residents now for years, and it's gone unchecked. We were talking about this during all of the Trump years. And President Trump offered to help, and Laurie told him to go, you know, stick it where the sun doesn't shine. But now Mayor Adams is saying we need help from Washington, D.C. We need to staff the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. We need to do some information sharing. 
We need to focus on those illegal gun manufacturers that are producing these guns that are proliferating our cities. He said, I'm going to visit all my mayors. What is this guy with this my business? The other day, it was New York's police, his police. Don't come close to my police. Now he's saying he's going to visit all my mayors, like all the mayors, the Democrat mayors in America belong to him. I'm going to visit all my mayors across this country that get it. And he says he's going to travel throughout the country and see what others are doing too, not just with his mayors. Well, it is clear to me that Mayor Adams doesn't, quote-unquote, get it. You don't get it, Mr. Mayor. If you're out on a tour of the United States to all your blue cities to visit all your mayors, then maybe you and your mayors ought to have a reality check. It is not illegal gun manufacturers that are the problem. Oh, I don't deny that they should be, if, if it's illegal, they should be taken down. Of course, they should. But that's not the real problem, Mayor Adams. The real problem with you and your mayors is that you're presiding over cities where there is a culture that is permissible, that allows a, 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 a culture that glorifies this kind of violence, that glorifies killing that glorifies criminality. And yet you and your mayors and you and your fellow Democrats who are largely in part responsible for policies that assist in promoting this culture of evil that has taken over so many American cities, you won't say a word about the culture. You won't actually... Get on and use your bully pulpits, none of you mayors. And actually talk to the residents of your cities and say, we have got a problem here, and it's not the guns. It's that we have people in this city, in all of American cities, who won't hesitate to use guns to kill somebody. They don't think that killing is immoral. They don't have a sense of morality. They're worshiping evil. On a daily basis. And this has to change. You won't call your people out. Notice I said your people. Well, since they're his mayors, they ought to be his people too. You won't call your peeps out. It is not the guns. It is the evil in the human beings that that manifest that evil through using guns. And if they don't use guns, they use knives. And if they don't use knives, they use their fists. They use, they use bats. They use whatever they can get their hands on so that they can offload their evil onto other people. It is a people problem. It is not a gun problem, culture problem. And you, Mr. Mayor Adams, you don't get it. Neither does Lori Lightfoot. Neither does the mayors of Washington, Atlanta, Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Oh, there's a funny story out of San Francisco today. We got to take a break. 
Uh, we'll come back. We'll continue this. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, with you here. WABC Talk Radio 77. Don't go. We've got three hours, and we're into the first hour. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Let's have some fun along with the serious discussion of issues that are affecting not just American life, but life on Earth. Back in a moment. Oh, knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Cool. And the gang. Bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are the crown jewel of American radio, Jungle Boogie. Yeah, that's some Joe Biden music, you know, because he, remember he said he didn't want his kids going to those jungle schools. Right here in New Jersey, that's our cool in the gang. They hail from New Jersey. Okay, San Francisco, this is funny. There, somebody, an anonymous person, is putting up posters all over uh, San Francisco. And you can find it on, uh, there's a picture on, on somebody's Instagram account. And it is, the, the, the poster says, urgent, this is all in caps. And it has bullet points. It's asking the residents of, Calif- of, of San Francisco, the first bullet point, stop wearing vests. You look like a Republican. Stop commuting to work by car. SF, San Francisco, is the, is the second best city in the U.S. for public transportation. Personal automobiles are wasteful and outdated. Yes, even EVs. Electric vehicles, of course. I love this talking point on the poster. Stop talking about how bad crime and homelessness is in San Francisco. You're wrong, and you sound very racist. Really? Is <laughs> the last? Stop going out living in the marina. Only Republicans go out in the marina. You live in San Francisco. Now it's time to start acting like it. So whoever this deranged liberal is, it's just too much. This this person here, she is on a tear. These po- these posters, these these handmade posters are being strewn all over all San Francisco. Where, by the way, a short time ago, a year or two ago, they had to start. Is someone started issuing maps to help the store the tourists avoid streets that had human waste product all over them. And that's for real. That happened. That's San Francisco today. Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco. Chris Cuomo, speaking of piles of... Chris Cuomo is demanding $125 million from CNN. After they fired his behind, he thinks he's worth a hundred. And this guy has such hubris. He lied to them. He was involved in trying to, as a news anchor, 
try to help his brother, of course, misrepresenting his role in all of this. And now he's demanding $125 million. Now, generally, I don't, you know, taking the side of of CNN over anybody, (laughs) not me usually, I hope CNN tells him to stick it. And I hope that wherever the end of this arbitration is, they tell him you were fired with cause. Shut up and go away. This guy is so full of himself. Anyway. We have other news. And again, some of this news is just disgusting. So maybe I should start some of it now and kind of get it out of the way. Yesterday with Princess Di, we talked about that hospital, a children's hospital in Oregon, Doran Becker Children's Hospital. They claim they're Oregon's top-ranked children's hospital. They have a gender clinic, and they are promoting tucking. Now, you ask yourself, what is tucking? Tucking, and this is the description in the Daily Wire, which which exposed this hospital and this story. This is a children's hospital. Please keep that in mind. This is a hospital that serves children that are sick. And they are supposed to be healing and helping children that come in who need help. Safe tucking. What is tucking? Tucking is moving the penis, testicles, or both out of the way. It makes the genital area look smoother and flatter. Tucking can reduce any concerns you have about your body, how your clothes fit, how safe you feel in public. People of all genders can tuck. There are several different methods of tucking. And then they say the information below helps you tuck in ways that are safe for your body. There are two main ways to tuck. They go on. You can tuck with tape or without. You might find that wearing tight underwear smooths things out enough. Or... You might want to use tape for as smooth a look as possible. How do you do that? Well, what they suggest that young children do is this. You can... Put your testicles inside your body, they say. Tuck your testicles inside your body. Remember, this is targeted to young boys. It's not for everyone. But then they offer instructions how to do it by guiding the testicles into the inguinal canals. They say this can feel strange at first, possibly even uncomfortable. You should not feel faint or nauseated or have extreme pain. If you do, take a break. 
and try again later. Then the children's hospital tells young boys that once the testicles are tucked away inside their body, they can pull their penis back between their legs. If you find yourself getting aroused, they say, take a break and try again later. An erection, they warn, will make it impossible to tuck. They have another section that tells young boys how to buy, where to buy tuck clothing, including one online company that sells gaffs and underwear that are designed for tucking. They also promote an Etsy shop that offers affordable gas. I don't even know what these gas look like. I don't want to know. To me, this stuff is just beyond sick. But this is the Doran Becker, D-O-E-R-N-B-E-C-H-E-R, Doran Becker Children's Hospital in Portland, Oregon. This is what they are teaching young boys, how to tuck away their offensive genitalia. We have to take another break. If you think this is bad, wait till, what, wait till you hear what's coming on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Dave, Ed, Bo, we. Uh, David Bowie, let's dance. Put on your and dance the blue. That's right, you can grab your coffee. We're playing that sound on the radio right here on WABC Talk Radio 77. This. Oh, man, this is one of my favorite David Bowie albums. And the drums, that beat, and that beat really defined the song. That's my brother Omar Hakeem playing drums. Omar and I are talking about doing a musical podcast uh, together, one of the podcasts that we're going to be coming up with soon. By the way, we have some great podcasts that we uh, did this week. The On the Border series is we have a new one available. You wait. Those of you that are trying to understand the new economy and the way things are changing, and we are in the midst of another revolution, by the way. Just like the Internet revolution, we are at the beginning stages of another revolution that is going to affect the way that people do business all over the world. That is part of what's going on with cryptocurrency. That is part of what is going on with this thing called blockchain. And all of that, and NTFs and all this new stuff, these non-fungible tokens, all the stuff that you're starting to hear these terms we're examining on our podcast called The Future Is Now. We recorded a new, another episode of that this week, 
and it is off the chain. You should he- you you have to hear it if this is the kind of thing that interests you. And we also have an amazing new podcast episode of Science is Golden with Dr. Michael Gillen, who is an Emmy Award winning scientist, uh, and he's just makes the world of science understandable. This week, Dr. Gillen discussed with me the four types of truth. And this pertains not only to science, but it goes far beyond that. And so we have three new podcasts that are either dropping this week or they'll be coming out this week. You can find all the podcasts on WABC's website or wherever you go for your podcast. Red Apple Media podcasts are all over now. All of the hosts on WABC are doing their own podcast. You can find them. And we've got some amazing podcasts for you to check out while you're driving around town or chilling at your house, whatever it is. And whatever the topic areas that you like, we've got somebody doing it. So I urge you to just take a look at all the podcasts on WABCradio.com or wherever you get your podcast. Now, before I went to the break, after we talked about tucking, how this children's hospital in Portland said to be the number one children's hospital is urging young boys to tuck away their genitals, tape them up, get them out of sight, tuck them, tuck your testicles inside your body so that they don't show. (sighs) Now we turn to a camp. It is called, and this story comes to us from the Daily Mail UK, it is called the Sexy Summer Camp. The owner of Sexy Summer Camp, which teaches teens, teenagers, about becoming a prostitute, how to do self-manage abortions, BDSM, bondage and sex, and, and, you know, sadomasochism. The owner says she and her fellow counselors have been forced into hiding because people are furious at what they are teaching. Christopher Rufo, who specialized in culture wars, revealed that the sexy super, the sexy sex ed team's sexy summer camp program for teenagers is for teenagers aged 13 and above. It includes lessons on sex liberation, gender exploration, sadomasochism and bondage, becoming a sex worker, self-managed abortions, and sexual activity while using licit and illicit drugs. Sexy Sex Ed was founded in 2012. That's how long this has been going on. In Whitesburg, Kentucky, supposedly to provide sex education to young people in the Appalachian area. The founder, Tanya Turner, 
calls herself a femme, fat, queer, magical pleasure worker. And she said that she was raised by a host of witchy women in a coven-like mountain matriarchy, matriarchy that uses crystals, sex toys, tarot, and the like in teaching. I don't even know how to frame this. This has been going on since 2012. This is what they are teaching teenagers. So you have this children's hospital out in Oregon teaching boys to tuck their genitals inside their body either by using tape or by using really, really tight underwear. Now it has been exposed. The owners of this sexy summer camp are teaching teenagers, 13 years old and above, sex liberation, gender exploration, sadomasochism, bondage, how to become a sex worker, a prostitute, how you can self-manage your abortions, and how to, how to perform sexual activities while you're using drugs, whether they be legal or illegal drugs. The founder calls herself a femme, fat, queer, magical pleasure worker, admits that she was raised by a bunch of witches in a coven like mountain matriarchy that uses crystals, sex toys, and tarot. Where do you go with this? This is, I'm not making any of this up. This is what is happening in our America. And then you have these leftists that are beside themselves. When Florida and Florida's governor and Florida's legislature says, you know what? We want to take this teaching of sexualizing young children out of the hands of teachers and leave it to parents. Don't discuss this stuff in school while kids are in kindergarten through third grade. Let the parents handle it. And you have a bunch of liberals. The latest one, there's a BizPack Review story today about Gabrielle Union. She's upset with Disney because Disney, Disney didn't come out against this, uh, this, this, this quote-unquote, don't say gay bill, stronger. Meanwhile, California has a new piece of legislation being offered by Democrat Senator Scott Weiner to make California a state that becomes a quote-unquote refuge for transgender children and their parents. And in doing so, his bill says that California, if they become basically a sanctuary state for transgender children and their parents, would block out-of-state court judgments that remove children from their parents' custody. Now think about this for a minute. If a couple, what this means is that if a couple 
had a legal issue about the sex change operations with children. And the court said, you know what? I'm going to remove one of your parents from custody. In other words, I'm going to protect the child here. That California would ignore that court order. That's what this bill says that's up in California now to make California a state that becomes a quote-unquote refuge for transgender children and their parents. Now, once again, I want to stress something. I am not interested in hurting anybody. I'm not interested in hurting people that are transgendered and that have made the decision that that's what they want for their lives. One would hope that these are adults making these decisions when they have the capacity to understand the ramifications of those decisions. There was another article that we could get into detail out of Texas. A Texas doctor is suing a children's hospital after they halted using these cross-sex hormones, these puberty blockers. And in the course of this article, and that article was by Fox News earlier this week, what you come to learn is that these puberty blockers were never intended to support transgenderism. That wasn't their intent. These puberty blockers were were designed by pharmaceutical companies to stop a condition where young children were entering into puberty too young while they were three, four, five years old. And so they developed these puberty blockers so that these kids could enter puberty at the right age. Once they got to the age of purity, they stopped up puberty, they stopped using them so that these children would not suffer from having puberty, a puberty onset too early. They were never, never intended for gen, for this uh, dysmorphia. And they have never been approved by the FDA for that purpose. So all of this is happening where these, these puberty blockers are being thrust on these children who are not mature human beings while they are young. And we also learned from this article that one of the side effects of these puberty blockers, when they're used for the purpose of transgendering children, is that it will make these children sterile for the, it could make them sterile for the rest of their lives. So here you have children that are not mature adults, in some cases having their parents sterilize them. And I asked myself, and I'm sure many of you are asking, what is going on here? If you'd like to comment on any of this, and again, once again, I know we have listeners in this audience that are transgendered because we've heard from them. And I'd love to hear from any of you again. If you, if you care to call. Because something's not right here. Something isn't sitting well with 
many Americans with these types of stories, these tucking stories, this sex camp that teaches teenagers how to become prostitutes, teaches them S&M, teaches them bondage, teaches them how to self-abort babies. What in the world are these liberals? How is any of this justifiable? James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. And that is a sincere invitation. I know we have some transgender listeners here. If you would like to comment on this, we will move your calls up because we'd like to hear what you have to say. And again, none of this is meant to target you and say you are wrong and your life is wrong. What I am trying to say is that these are children. These are not mature adults. And what in the hell are you thinking to do this with children? James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Irving. We will be back right after this. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC. One of my favorite groups, one of my favorite songs. Odo. Hold the line brings us back. I remember the first time I heard this song. I wigged. WABC Talk Radio 77. You are here Saturday morning radio extravaganza. With James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy, that's right, time for that second cup of coffee. And time for us to head to the telephones. Let's start with Tom in Bergen Beach. Tom uh, called yesterday, and we didn't have enough time. We were running out of time, so I invited Tom to call back today. So, Tom, thank you for calling back today. And go ahead. The floor is yours, Tom. Great. Thanks, Mr. Golden. Uh, good morning, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy. Good morning. Um, that scant that you just sat, talked about sounds horrific, and I don't understand how people, anybody would send their child, a 13-year-old or whatever, to a camp that's going to teach them how to be a, a prostitute or sadomasochism and all that other stuff. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, as I said yesterday, I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, and when um, they talk about the curriculum they're talking about, it's akin to some of the things that pedophiles do. It's grooming, you know, showing pictures of genitalia, telling you that it's going to be all right, it's okay to touch yourself, it's all right to let somebody else touch you, all that kind of stuff. It's grooming and it's not good. I mean, I'm not saying that the teachers are trying to groom the kids. It's curriculum. But at this age, you know, at young ages, that kind of stuff, like seven, eight years old, you know, I don't think a stranger should be teaching anything like that to to a child. Parents need to stand up to these people and, and, and think that it's okay. Sex education should be mod- can be modified for teenagers in high school. I get that. But uh, not children. That doesn't work for me. Not in the lower grades. Every parent should send a letter to every politician and stop this from happening. I do remember that they said, I read something about gender dysphoria starts at, at common ages, about seven years old. But you know what? There's nothing that we can do as 
people and you got to have a parent teach them and bring them to a psychiatrist or whatever, somebody who's, who's really familiar with this stuff if you're not familiar with it yourself as a parent. Um, the thing is, every parent should send, you know, like I said, they, they want to teach these little kids different terms uh, for gender delegation. I saw one net thing on the net, 76 different um, gender de- designations. I tried to understand some. I, I couldn't understand any of it. I'm like, yeah, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone really understands this. I wonder if the people coming up with this stuff understand it, Tom. Frankly, now, Tom, I want to ask you a question, and, and and please feel free not to answer. You said that you were uh, a survivor of childhood sex abuse, childhood abuse. How did you recover from that? And if you feel comfortable telling us what you went through. Tell us briefly what you went through. If you don't feel comfortable, please don't. But if you do, no, I, I, okay. I don't mind talking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I am a survivor, but I st- I'm still going through it. You know, I, I didn't realize until age 24, it happened between the ages of six and 12. And I didn't remember it really um, until I was 24 years old when I went to my first rehab for drinking and drugging. And um, that's what I did most, most of my life. Uh, I drank and drugged a lot. Um, and um, I'm going through a lot of stuff, even though right now I was a soldier in the military as well. And I have suffered from something called PTSD. And um, the PTSD also stemmed from the childhood abuse and not realizing it. I, I never really dealt with it. And now that I'm starting to deal with it again, as a matter of fact, I'm supposed to go to a PTSD program right in the near future. They're waiting for a slot for me right now at the VA. And they're going to deal with me on a, um, a special basis because they have um, special people, well, special programs for survivors as well. Um, so, I mean, my whole life, I, I, you know, once, once I was in the army, I didn't, I drank a little, I drank a lot, but I never did drugs. When I got out of the army, I was, you know, that's how I dealt with it. I dealt with it with drugs. And then I found therapy and, uh, it's been helping. And, um, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm working with a, a great therapist and, uh, she's phenomenal. I've been working on this for, Probably the last twenty. I've been working on PTSD for twenty years, and um, wow, I've been working. So with, your whole life has been, your whole life has been, pretty much focused, whether you knew it or not, on what happened to you as a young child. Yeah, it's pretty much true. And I, you know, I'm, I, I didn't want to deal with it. I, I keep telling my kids, "Oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal." But they kept saying, "You need to deal with this, or it's going to come back and haunt you." And the next thing you know, I was out on the on the bench. You know, I'd be drinking a bottle of Jack, you know, and I'd be like, I'm going to look for the next one because I'm done. You know, I need another one. And uh, how many times I was on the bridge or standing in a medium of the highway ready to jump in front of the truck, you know. Um, I had three suicide attempts, one pretty close. Somebody saved my life. And um, that's Tom, where I'm at right now, though. You have an amazing story, and I know that the people of Goodwill in this audience are praying that you will continue to be strong. And and get all the help you need to fully recover from what happened to you as a child. And thank you for sharing that with us, Tom. We do appreciate your call. Be well. Thanks. Thank you. Mary Beth in Huntington, New York. Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Oh, a good morning, James. Um, and my best wishes to your caller. I mean, he's a very brave man, and um, I believe he will do well. But um, and this is what uh, educators want to put young children through. I mean, how do they know 
that young children aren't going to be hurt by this later on in life. Uh, I cannot believe that more parents aren't protesting at the school meetings. This is outrageous. It's just outrageous. This is what our world is coming to. Yes, and see, this is exactly what took place in Florida. This is what's taking place in Loudoun County, Virginia. Now, let's remember what happened in Loudoun County, County, Virginia. We first became aware that there was a problem when a video emerged of a parent being dragged out by police. And it was like, okay, here's this crazy parent that went off on these wonderful people at the school board. Later, we learned. It was only later that we learned that his daughter had been sexually assaulted by a transgender male in a girl's bathroom. It was even later that we learned that this wasn't the only time that this particular transgender male in a girl's bathroom assaulted a girl. It had happened before. We then learned that Loudoun County did not reveal this that parents didn't know, even though the police were informed about it. So this father shows up because his daughter's assault was never recognized by the school board, and he was angry. He was questioning, and they dragged him out. Then the truth emerged, and then parents became aware, like, what in the hell is happening in Loudoun County schools? Now, we have since learned that in many of these schools, there are things being taught, and the pandemic had a lot to do with parents finally discovering what their children were being taught in some of these liberal schools. They were being taught this, this critical race theory, which is basically racism on steroids aimed at white children. We are also learning that they're being taught all of these sexual perverse things while they're in grade school. Then we have the Attorney General of the United States of America, Merrick Garland, and the Department of Education working with the National Association of School Boards. I hope that's the right name. If it's not, we'll get the right name. Anyway, with with a National Association of School Boards to label these parents who are questioning what's going on in the schools as domestic terrorists. That is the Biden administration. Once the parents are discovering these things that are happening to their children, the Biden administration wants to label, wanted to label, and and the head of some of these liberal school board associations wanted to label the parents domestic terrorists and actually send police and federal agents to try to intercede, and in some cases, we believe if they're called domestic terrorists, that tells you what they wanted to do to these parents. This is all tangled up with what are they teaching your children? That's where it comes to. And now we learn that at this children's hospital, they're teaching young boys to tape up their genitals and put them inside their bodies. This stuff is beyond sick to me. Uh, I'll give you the last word on this, Mary Beth. Well, um, thank you, James. You know, thank God for the parents in Loudoun County. Thank God for the governor of Florida 
more and more parents need to get involved in what's going on. Now, not only in schools, but in medical care, that hospital in Oregon, I mean, who's monitoring them? That's horrific. I'm sorry. That was a little too much information this morning. But in a sense, I'm glad you're telling people we need to know. Parents need to know what's going on out there. This is it's beyond comprehension. It it really is. But people better wake up. Thank you, Mary Beth. Let me tell you, Mary Beth, I was so disturbed yesterday. And so was Princess Diana. We were both disturbed. Diana had a word for this. This is evil. What is happening in these schools is evil. What is happening at this hospital in Portland, Oregon is evil. And yes, it is a lot of horrid information to deal with. But this is what is happening to American children. And you're right, Mary Beth. The parents in America have got to wake up and understand what these progressives and what these liberals are doing to America's children. Hour one of our three-hour radio extravaganza is concluded. We will be back with hours number two and hour number three right after this. Don't go away. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza begins right now. If you'd like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. Later this hour, we're going to revisit an interview that I did yesterday, Five for Fighting. There's a new song that's all part of this, and that's the reason we did the interview. The new song is about what's going on in the Ukraine and President Zelensky. Speaking of what is going on in the Ukraine, Russia says it has admitted admitted to using a hypersonic missile. They say they used it for combat for the first time in attacking an ammo depot in western Ukraine. I have my doubts whether it was the first time because it was reported before that people in the Ukraine were being bombarded with new weaponry. The Russians, according to the Daily Mail, have bombed Maripol back into the Middle Ages. Families are being blown to bits as they stand in queues for water and food cooked on fires made from chopped up furniture. That's how desperate it is in Maripol. The Russians are just pounding that city mercilessly. And and all one has to do is look at some of the horror stories that have come out of Ukraine. I don't know how anyone in this world can support what Russia is doing. And... And the the brave now look. I know that there are a lot of aspects to this, and there are people who are le- legitimately raising questions about 
the threats that Russia perceived that they were facing from NATO. And I realize that that's all part of the equation. But the way that they are conducting this warfare is abhorrent. We've heard so many cases where civilians are being targeted. We've seen the videos where Russian forces are just mercilessly destroying civilian cars with people in them and civilian housing. And we saw the video coming out of the bombing of that maternity hospital. And we do know that the pregnant woman that was seen being carried out in the stretcher has since died as well as her infant. This is all blood on the hands of Vladimir Putin. So, yes, Ukraine is still a major issue. Of course, if you want to talk about what's going on in Ukraine, feel free. Disney World, the rodent kingdom, as I refer to. The rodent kingdom has now apologized for allowing a school to perform what is being called a racist performance. The, the group came from Texas. Put Natchez Groves High School, Indianettes, an all-woman squad, looks like teenage girls, dressed up in purple and white fringe as they march and dance. The news reports from the New York Post say seemingly borrowed from Native culture. But they were, they were, their chant was, scalp them, Indians, scalp them. Scalp them, Indians, Scalp them. And that offended a lot of people. Some native tribes jumped all over um, Disney for allowing this to happen. Shame on Disney Parks. Shame on the Rodent Kingdom for sponsoring this. Scalp them, Indians, scalp them. And it just made me think for a minute, well, Okay, I mean, I understand. I'm sorry. I don't mean I shouldn't do this. I'm going to get in trouble for this. But I have to ask. Now, look, I have Native American blood in me, just so just so you know, along with the slave blood, okay? You know, you're in America sometimes, a lot of mutts here. Don't mean that to be disparaging, but I have a lot of heritages wrapped up in me, okay? The, the, um, the DNA test shows that um, we're part of my family, Parts of it are from the Thomas Jefferson uh, paternal line. That's one. I have an uh, an Irish great-great-grandmother on my uh, uh, dad's side. I have American Indian, or Native Americans we're called now, on my mom's side from the Choctaw tribe. And, um, and, and of course, African. So, you know, I'm like, kind of like the we are the world guy. Um but so the question I had was, okay, I understand you don't like these, you know, these, and look, the, the picture's all white girls. So they're like in their little, you know, cheerleader uniforms. They're dancing around. Scalp them, Indians. Scalp them. Scalp them, Indians. Scalp them. The Indian tribes get all pissed off. They're like, why are you saying scalp them, Indians? Well, my question is this where did this whole scalping thing, I mean, where did it start? I mean, from I don't know where it started, but all the movies that I saw when I was a kid, that was just like part of the normal, like, uh, cowboy Indian 
and it wasn't the, the Cowboys who started the scalping stuff. As I recall watching, now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was the Cowboys who started the scalping stuff, but uh, scalp them, Indians scalp them. And the, Ameri- the, the tribes are not happy. And the Rat Kingdom has apologized, the Rodent Kingdom. Disney World has apologized for letting the, the, the group of girls scalp them, Indians scalp them. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was offensive. Now, New York Post, as I mentioned first hour, I wish I could read all the names. It would take too long, and it would bore some of you to tears, so I'm not going to do it. But this is a great story by the Post editorial board today, Spies Who Lie, 51 intelligence experts, and that would include former National Intelligence Director James Clapper, are refusing to apologize for trying to discredit the Hunter Biden story, which is now, as the New York Times said, at least with the laptop, authentic. And none of these 51 that were so brave to go out and say, oh, this is just Russian propaganda. The New York Post has apparently contacted 51 of these people, and you get the same thing. Didn't respond. Didn't respond. Didn't, they're not responding to now the latest news. They're quiet. And let us not forget, while we're talking about rushing Hunter Biden and all this, let us not forget the real Russian collusion coup attempt against President Trump, which also was backed up by the same liberals in the, when I say the same, not person to person, but the same ilk of liberals in the intelligent, so-called intelligence community, and, of course, the drive-by media. Now, one question to ask. Where's the accountability going on this one? Intelligence Director James Clapper, will they continue to bring this guy on TV and act like he's some kind of expert? Will someone finally get to asking him about his role in the coup attempt against President Trump with this phony Russian collusion story. But bravo, New York Post, for calling these folks out by name. There are calls now. We started talking at the Ukraine top of the hour, and again, we're going to do the interview later in the hour with John Andrasik, who is, who is five for fighting. And I really enjoyed the conversation with him. I hope you do, too, those of you that didn't hear it. That's why we're going to play it over today. And if you did hear it the first time, hope you're not, you know, opposed to hearing it one more time. But according to The Hill, which is one of the more popular Washington, D.C. Beltway publications, There's now support growing in both political parties, both Republican and Democrat, for providing air power to Ukraine, whether that's the transfer of of jets. And some people are talking about a no-fly zone. I'm going to tell you something. This is a dangerous road. And in my view... It, this, 
I've said all along this is a European issue, and I don't back off of that. Europe should be taking the lead on this. Western Europe should be taking the lead on this, and in conjunction with Eastern Europe. Now, I am not opposed to sending aid over to the Ukraine, but when you start talking about sending over uh, jet fighters and you talk about further about no-fly zones, you know, American, we had better be really careful about this one. You know that trucker's convoy that uh, went around from the left coast and ended up in Washington, D.C.? I supported that, the movement, but I'm going to tell you something. It's just like, why do you people, why? Okay, here's the story. Let me just get to the story. On Friday morning, the so-called People's Convoy revealed a new goal. They want to reclaim the two-block-long Black Lives Matter Plaza. They put up this guy, gave the guy one of the microphones who said that their goal is to tar and feather the pedestrian-only section of 16th Street painted with the mural Black Lives Matter. And you know what? How stupid can you be? How stupid can you be? Now, I know a lot of people don't agree with this BLM thing. I'm one of them. And I didn't like the idea that in New York and in Washington, D.C., you have all this stuff painted on the street, BLM, BLM. But you're going to put up somebody that says, oh, we're going to tar and feather it? Why don't you just hang a damn noose over it, too, while you're at it? Because it's so stupid for you to say that. Tar and feathering, I know, wasn't just a racist thing. Because there were many white Americans in our early history as Americans who were tarred and feathered because they were deemed on the wrong side of a political debate. doesn't matter what the debate is, but that's the way that people used to do and used to, and, and it was a horrible thing. In some cases, reverting in death. They would put hot tar on the cover of the person's body in hot tar and then drop feathers over it, hence tar and feathering. But when it was used against black people, as it was, it was akin to to, be, to lynching. And how stupid, how stupid do you have to be? How utterly stupid do you have to be to come in Washington, D.C. and say that you want to tar and feather this street because it has Black Lives Matter on it? How utterly ignorant and stupid do you have to be to put somebody on a microphone and say that? It, just, it doesn't, it, I don't understand the thinking of some people. How anyone would think that that's okay to say. South Carolina, South Carolina, in Carolina, they're bringing back the firing squad. <laughs> that's real. Inmates and say, yeah, yeah, you know what, they, they still use the electric chair down there. They stopped using those Sparky in states like Florida and New York ages ago. But now they're bringing back the firing squad. This note before we go to a break. Google, Google, Google. A lawsuit has been filed against Google. Google. 
One of the employees for Google alleges that the company engaged in systematic bias against black employees. Why, that sounds a bit like institutional racism, doesn't it? Boy, yes, it does. Quite brilliant, eh? Yeah, it says that uh, here the uh, the plaintiff, April Curley, went to federal court. She accuses Google of directing black employees toward lower-level jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We want them to be the custodians, paying them less money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and declining them opportunities to advance. Why, that does sound racist now, doesn't it? Surprised they didn't tar and feather them. Well, anyway, Miss April Curley alleges that Google subjected black employees to a hostile work environment. Imagine that. Imagine a bunch of white liberals out there on the West Coast subjecting their employees, their black employees, to hostility. Well, imagine that. Mm-hmm. Miss Curley says she was hired by Google in 2014 to work on an outreach program. Let's reach out and get some of them Negroes in here. Let's reach on out there and go to some historically black colleges and get some of them dark people on here because our company is just so vanilla. Right? Our liberal company just filled with vanilla people. Mm-hmm. And she says that after she started there, her superiors disparaged her work They stereotyped her as an angry black woman. Imagine that. And then she says that Google fired her in 2020 after she and other co-workers started to put together a list of changes that they wanted. In other words, they were trying to help old Google become less racist. And old Google said, get out. We don't want your kind in here. Now, The Hill has reached out to Google for comment, and so far, we don't have a comment back from old Google. You can hit on that search engine and find what you want, but you can't get a comment from old Google on this charge that they are, them liberals out there in California are racist. Imagine that. James Golden, WABC Talk Radio 77. We are coming back. Your call's coming up, too, right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirkly, is on the air. 77 WABC. WABC. It's our radio 77 Saturday morning in the city. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirkly, with you here. Glittering in the glow of golden goodness with the Delphonics. La la. That means I love you. Guys have come to you with a line that wasn't true, and you pass them by. Now you're in the ring, and their lines don't mean a thing. Why don't you let me? This was the first try. hit for the Delphonics, the first real hit. They had a another B hit before this, and this uh, song came out on the Philly Groove label. What it marked to me two things. The first concert I ever saw was the Delphonics. My parents took my brother, my sister, and myself up to the Apollo Theater. 
And we didn't know we were going. There was a bookstore that used to be next to the Apollo Theater, so they took us to the bookstore first. And we thought, okay, we're here at a bookstore, blah, blah, blah. And then the surprise. They took us in the Apollo Theater. We saw the Delphonics. Great show. But that also marked the beginning, to me, of knowledge of this guy, Tom Bell. Name might not sound familiar to you. Tom Bell is one of the most prolific songwriters of that age. Now, you would know some of his songs, like, for instance... The stylistics, you make me feel brand new. He had a string of hits with the with the spinners, um, and he's just an amazing composer, uh, producer, and uh, he he had an interesting life story. He got his start. He was a janitor working in one of the recording studios, where eventually he became like the 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 star producer. Because that was the only job he could get, even though he was an incredible musician, incredible composer. And he's retired from music altogether now. He is a gourmet cook living out on the West Coast now. But he has just had the most amazing career and one of my favorite uh, songwriters and composers of all time, Tom Bell. So let us go to the telephones. Dave Bayside, New York. Thanks for holding, Dave. Welcome. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, here with you on WABC. Hello, Dave. Dave, are you there? Well, Dave may have waited a bit too long. Let's try Jack in Bergen County, New Jersey. Jack, are you on the line? How are you? Yes, hi. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. I just wanted to comment about the whole uh, kids and all that stuff. I know you've you've talked about a bunch of stuff, but, I mean, just to kind of level set it and give give some perspective, right? Mm -hmm. My parents are both immigrants. I'm a white male who's gone to school, got educated, and I've been working. And what people turn around today and look at is my success. And now as a father of a 15-month-old white male living in a well-to-do neighborhood, I feel like we're now becoming the villain based off of what you're saying that if if uh, male uh, sexuality is being beaten down because we're oppressive people and all that other jazz, I just feel as though whatever I'm teaching my son, which is, hey, you're a male, you respect women, there's nothing wrong with being a male, that we're going to now turn around and become the marginalized loony bins because we're just, quote-unquote, normal. And 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 I'm not sure how to convey that message but it feels as though you know you're conveying the message just fine jack is becoming is becoming like a, a thing of the past well jack let's look at what you're saying and let's look at what the facts are okay so we've got this cr this this crt movement out here this critical race theory which basically teaches every minority kid and teaches white kids that white folks are evil especially white men because they came up with these uh, systems that now just do nothing. America is a land of institutional racism, and that's all it is. It's not a land where you can achieve anything you want. It's not the greatest nation in the world. It's a land riddled with hate because white men especially, but more white people have privileges and no one else does. So that's what your kids are being taught on one hand. On the other hand, if you look at today's news, you would li- you would believe that that young boys of all races need to tuck their genitals in their body because they're unseemly and who wants males in the world right. because males right. are oppressive males are this toxic toxic masculinity 
And so you look at the things coming from the left, and you're absolutely right. You are and your child are the new villains of society. And this is being pounded into children's head. And we don't know how many adults are already walk, walking around with these with these misguided notions of humanity based on what they learned in school 20 years ago. Parents are just now waking up and finding out what in the hell have they been teaching these children? But yeah, you see the yeah, evidence of it all around. Look at look at some of the things that dear Congresswoman from New York, from Queens in the Bronx, Ocasio-Cortez says. You wonder, how did she get out of college with this knowledge? And, and I'm embarrassed to say this. I went to Boston University, as did she. And, and, and I'm sure you know her background much better than I do. Her parents busted their ass to put her into that school. And the fact that, she, you know, she, she wears that outfit at the Met Gala and all, it's unbelievable, the, the, the hypocrisy. Absolutely. Especially of someone like AOC. And, so, Jack, and, here's yeah. what I'm going to suggest to you. You're in Bergen County, New Jersey. Now, Bergen County is just a great place to live in New Jersey, despite some of the liberalisms you get. You have great towns in Bergen County, New Jersey. And you, once upon a time, and I hope it's still the case, you had great schools in Bergen County, New Jersey. But that said, you and your wife had better check on what your child is learning. And if necessary, intercede. Because... Yeah. What is happening in the schools today is a form, in my view, of child abuse. They are allowing kids to grow up filled with hate and filled with rage toward their own country, and worse, kids to think that their own race, because, and and by the way, there's only one real race, that's the human race, but they're allowing kids to think that because of something superficial like their skin color, they are, quote-unquote, less than other human beings. And we have got to stop this lunacy and turn it around. And if I could, if I could share one thing, because I, I connect with lots of different people from lots of backgrounds, illegal, legal, what have you. And I always tell everybody that this country relative to all nations in the world is relatively young. But there's something that drawed everyone here that made us very well to do, right? And we've been the most prosperous people, on average, in a very, very short amount of time. There's something special here. And there's a reason why this, this, this country was founded. And it just, it just makes me upset that in such a short period of time, and, and I'm under 40. And like I said, I just had my first kid. It's, it's just mind-blowing where we've gone and, and, and how we've just railed against capitalism and and just just individuality it's just very upsetting jack thank you and you're singing out of my hymnal my friend i love this because america is a young country the best days of america could well be before us unless we let these progressives take so we are a young country if you look at the history of the world America is still in its infancy compared to other countries we have a unique set of circumstances in this country due to our founding, which, of course, had flaws, which the American people within the first hundred years of existence overcame, unlike many other countries in the world, if you look at their histories. This is a unique country. This is a great country. 
The Constitution of the United States is the force that changed the entire world. David from the Bronx, I see you coming on, and I want you to hold on. We will get to your call on the other side of the break. Do not go away, David. Do not go away. The rest of you, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, coming back. And in the next half hour, we are going to replay the interview with John Andrasic, Five for Fighting. And we hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed doing that interview yesterday. Coming right back, don't go away. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77 New York. Blondie brings us back. Call me. You know, that was amazing period in American rock. Remember, you had all these groups coming out, these female groups that were just like rocking, like Blondie, Cindy Lauper, even Juice Newton. And they were just Joan Jett producing such amazingly great music. WABC Talk Radio 77. Let us head back to the Bronx and to David. David, thanks for calling. Welcome. How are you this morning? Well, good morning. Um, I want to take issue with this whole line that you've been putting out this morning. Okay. I'm 50 years old. I'm a progressive, okay? Mm-hmm. I know that what you consider critical race theory is not being taught in our schools to school-age children. It's a college-level theory that children are not being exposed to. And I can tell you, when I went to school way back in the early uh, 1980s, you know, I was taught things that weren't true. I was taught that Woodrow Wilson was one of the greatest presidents. What a racist he was. Exactly. He was a segregationist. He was was a racist. racist Exactly. But I wasn't taught that in high school. Neither was I. yeah, exactly. But and they still have an institution named for him in Washington, D.C. Nobody's yeah, demanding that that Woodrow Wilson institution be renamed. He was one of the no, biggest racists in American history. Yeah, it should be renamed. But to get back to the main point. And though, so should the FBI yeah. building named after J. Edgar right. Hoover. He was another one. Right. But what's wrong with teaching children the actual history. Nothing. That includes slavery. It Nothing. includes Jim Crow. But a lot Nothing. of people want to take all of that out. Okay, now, dig this, my man, because you and I actually agree, and you think we disagree. Okay? We agree. There's nothing wrong with teaching children the actual history. I am a student of history. I love exploring history. The warts and all. And one of the things that I've said, if you listen consistently, is that you can look at every single society on planet Earth, every single nation on planet Earth. And if you dig deep enough into their history, you will find some atrocities. You will find some things that are not pleasant, including American history. I'm not denying what happened in American history. That would be foolish. 
But here's what I am saying. And by the way, I would like to see your proof that it is not being taught in schools because I have been in schools. I have talked to children in schools where I've made the appearance where they are being taught that America is not a great country, where they are being taught that America is a racist country, where they are being taught that white people are the only oppressors. And by the way, there are so many black kids that are growing up racist now because they believe white people are evil and no one is countering that racism. But it is being taught in schools now. You don't have to call it critical race theory, but that's what it is. They are teaching black kids especially and white kids that white kids that white kids are have this thing called white privilege and therefore they can succeed in life but you why you darky kids you'll never succeed unless we can rub some white off into you okay and that's just not what's real okay black kids are totally capable of achieving if they are given the challenge to achieve and they're yet they're told that they're inferior to white kids. And they're told that they can't succeed in America because America is a racist country. That, my friend, is critical race theory. And it's being taught in almost every single damn school that progressives run. And it's being taught to white kids, too. I've talked with white, with, with, in groups like I talked to Turning Point a few years ago. And some white college kids were asking me, I'm being told that I'm evil. What can I do? How am I supposed to respond to this stuff? And you're right. It is. It was in the beginning a college theory, but it's moved beyond theory now. This is happening in the classrooms of the United States, and this is what parents are objecting to. Now, David, listen to me well. You and I agree. We agree on the basics, but I'm going to challenge you to really go inside some of the schools right there in the Bronx where you live. Go to the black neighborhoods. Go in the school and hear what these kids are being taught. Don't sit on the outside and tell me that they're not being taught this stuff. Go in the schools and find out what they're being taught. And then you call me and say to me, you're wrong. And if that's the case, I will say to you, my friend, you're right, based on your firsthand knowledge of it. But don't talk theory to me because I've been in these schools and I've been in these neighborhoods and I hear what the kids are saying and I hear the way they're growing up and it is shameful what they think about America. It's shameful what they think about white people. We are teaching a whole generation of black kids that white people are evil. And this is nonsense and it's got to stop. We are teaching a whole generation of American kids that America is an evil nation. It is evil and it's got to stop. You get the last word, David. Oops, David's gone. What do you know? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take an early break. And when we come back, we are going to replay an interview I did yesterday with John Andrasik, Five for Fighting. Don't go away. Coming up right after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Diana Ross, Upside Down, produced by Nile Rogers, another New Yorker, one of the great producers in the business. And that's the way it feels that a lot of things in America right now are upside down. 
You know, yesterday was a, a, a special day for me. I got a chance to talk with a musician that I greatly ex- respect, and that would be John Andrasic. Now, John Andrasic is not a household name uh, and for many of you who love music, but you know the name of the group, the music group, that is John Andrasic, which is Five for Fighting. And he has done a, he has a new song, and that's why we had him on. And rather than me go on and on about it, I'll just let the interview play. Roll it, guys. We are ready right now to move to our very special guest. John Andrasic is here with us. He is the songwriter. He is the man behind. He is. He is Five for Fighting. John, welcome to the program. How are you this afternoon? I'm, I'm great, James. Pleasure to be with you. My pleasure. You know, John, you have one of the most amazing backgrounds. Most, most musicians that are, are so well-known, that have such great songwriting ability as you do well they've spent their entire life in music you look at their you look at their uh their background they've gone to school for music you graduated with a degree in mathematics and was it applied science <laughs> yeah the, the, those brain cells are long gone my friend but yes <laughs> <laughs> now i've read that your dad was an astrophysicist too is that correct that is true. I, I had an amazing childhood. I, you know, grew up in, in uh, Southern California. My dad worked for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in the 70s, which was doing all the unmanned space flights. I used to go down there and play on their mainframe on Sundays and play Star Trek with the punch cards. So I had quite the, uh, quite the cool astronomy childhood and, uh, you know, kind of was the golden age of uh, American space exploration. Now, you signed on with EMI, and they said, you know, your name is kind of hard to pronounce. Again, <laughs> is, this, is this really the truth, or is this just like myth? around? And so that's how the name Five for Fighting was born. Is that, is that correct or just well, so big true. BS? You, you know, you were, you were a music programmer. You, you know, you remember the late 90s. It was the age of Lilith Fair, boy bands, grunge music, and the male singer-songwriter uh, was not on the radio. It was kind of dead, and and so they did. They came to me, said, you know, no one can pronounce your your last name anyways, which is true. Uh, and they, and you need a band name. And uh, I was kind of insulted. I just come from a hockey game, and hockey fans, you know, Ranger fans know. The, I remember a guy named Marty McSorley and and Bob Probert dropped the gloves. And so when they asked me to come up with a band name, I sarcastically spit out, "Well, how about five? They hate it." And they're like, we love it. And I said, you're crazy. It sounds like we should be. Sounds like we should be opening for Metallica. And and it's so funny, James. In, in my early career, you know, you take any gig, and because of Fire for Fighting, people assume we were a heavy metal band. So I'd be playing my little Superman piano, and people would be moshing in front of me. It was surreal, I must say. <laughs> Man, that's amazing. When you speaking of Superman, you said that's your firstborn. That was a huge yeah. hit, Superman. It's not easy. And and that song did – what was the inspiration for you writing that song? You know, i got to say, it's a song I, I couldn't write now. But, you know, as uh, you know, you're a songwriter. You understand about the desire to be heard. And as a young, a young man kind of facing the reality of the music business and doors being slammed in his face, you know, you can understand somebody writing, it's not easy to be me. Um, obviously, um, with the context of, of 9-11 and, uh, and the concert for New York, the song took on a presence I could never imagine. And I've, I've learned in the last 20 years, it's pretty damn easy to be me and most of us. But it was. It was a song that uh, allowed me to live my childhood passion and make a, 
a living in this business for the last 25 years. And I, I, you know, even though I played it probably 20,000 times, uh, I still don't get sick of it. Oh man, that is just wonderful. There are, when you have a song like that, that you can play over and over again and never get tired of it. That's when you know, and John, John, you've written one now. Am I also correct that your first name isn't John? John is your middle name. <laughs> it is. Well, I'm I'm not really advertising my first name right now, considering <laughs> uh, the circumstances in the world. But, uh, yes, it is. Uh, it is Vladimir. And in, in the, you know, about a month ago, you would think of you know a, a left wing of a hockey team or some famous violinist. But yes, I am Vladimir John Andrasik the third. But uh, not all Vladimir's are Putin's, and uh, I, I, I sympathize with all Vladimir's out there. So where, where, where is your lineage? Now, this is where there has been some dispute. You have, you know, so many people have done biographies of you, and some cl- <laughs> claim that you were born in, in a Slavic nation, and that's all it says. Others say you are Ukrainian descent. What, what can you tell us about your, your connection to Eastern Europe? Uh, well, we're Slovak. Andrasik is Slovak heritage. Um, I've never been to Eastern Europe. I'm a Valley boy born in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. You know, dude, that's me, bro. Um, you know, grew up kind of, uh, kind of in the, in the 80s. Um, just kind of lived the California lifestyle. But, uh, but I've always, you know, I've always planned to, to go over to, to Prague and, and see Eastern Europe. And, of course, now with what's going on in, in the world, uh, we're all focused there on Ukraine and and what's going on. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my heritage. Uh, my grandfather uh, came over as a young, my great grandfather came over as a young man um, <clears throat> from Slovakia and, and uh, they were wire artisans and started a business here in, in, in Los Angeles in the forties uh, where we still work. I still work for the family business. So I've, I've seen the American dream firsthand uh, with, with our family business and, so I have a great love for, for Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, and, uh, of course, this country that is the greatest country that's ever existed. And, by the way, for a lot of people, you are not a leftist. You just, you just, you, um, from what I understand, are voted as an independent. You are registered independent. And you have embraced um, a Republican in time or two. So not the typical, what we have come to think of as the typical a profile of a of a Los Angeles entertainer who has done extremely well, by the way. And I don't want to get too much in politics, but I do want to talk about your new song because sure. I heard it, John. It blew my mind, and we're going to play it for everybody. Um, and the song, talk to us about it and tell us how that how this came about, and then we'll play it. Well, thank you. That that means a lot to me. Come your background and, and your love for music, and as a fellow songwriter, you know, as, as as a songwriter, you you know, James. Some songs you write are crafted. It takes months. You write hundreds of lines to get the few, you know, the few people here. But this song, "Can One Man Save, Save the World," was was similar to Superman in that it it kind of wrote itself very quickly. And I think, like so many of us, um, when uh, when Joe Biden offered Zelensky a plane ticket to evacuate. And, and Zelensky said, uh, keep your plane ticket, send me some Stinger missiles. I think we were all kind of stunned and, and wondering who this man is. And his example and his, uh, the Ukrainian people, uh, their strength, their fortitude fighting for freedom has been incredibly inspiring. I think you'd agree that the last 20 years, uh, we've really had our head in the sand 
when it comes to foreign policy. You talk about Crimea, you talk about Syria, even Hong Kong, where we kind of shrugged our, shrugged our soldiers. And I think we've been longing for somebody to stand up to these authoritarian bullies, uh, thugs like Putin. So, you know, his example, I think, is, uh, is, is changing the dynamics of, of, frankly, the Western world. I mean, just this week we had uh, the prime minister of Poland and Slovenia go to Kiev. You have Russian uh, reporters basically define Putin. And I think that's all because of his initial stance. Um, courage is contagious. And I wanted to, I frankly had to uh, express that and, and write a song about this man who in many ways is changing the world. I'm going to tell you something. I listened to the song, um, after I listened to it for the first time, I asked my niece to come in and listen to it with me. And do you know by the second time it got to the chorus, she was singing with it. And I said to myself, wow. wow. And, I mean, it, it both it struck us. We were both emotional listening to the song. So without any further ado, can one man save the world? Let's hear it, folks. And, John, stay in the line. We'll just say goodbye to you afterwards. But I just want you to listen to the, your song with us. What a treat. Here we go. Who is this comedian? His audience more mass than men. This Superman Ukrainian, I don't know. Great grandson of the Holocaust, an Eastern heart the West has lost. Mail or carry up his cross, I don't know. Can one man save the world in a thousand years? Will they say your name? Is this all in vain? Can one man save the world? Will you take my hand? Will you help me stand? Still in the end. Can one man save the world? Olena pulls into her breast the bed the devil stabs their chest. Can one embrace raise the oppressed? I don't know. Does freedom still have appetite? Is there the will, the goods to fight? Can a single flame light up the night? I don't know. Save the world in a thousand years. Will they say your name? Or is this all in vain? Can one man save the world? Will you take my hand? Will you help me stand? Still in the end. Can one man save the world? Yeah. 
That is just simply incredibly wonderful, beautiful. The lyrics, the music, and your vocal performance, my friend, is just, it just brings, it just brings every emotion to the surface. What a wonderful song, John. Well, thank you, James. That means a lot to me, and it's kind of the first time I've kind of heard it being played that way, so it was a little emotional, but just shining the light on, on Zelensky and the Ukrainian people uh, you know, Lord knows that they deserve it and our support. And uh, look, history is yet to be written, right? So every voice matters. John, thank you for joining us. People can find the song on YouTube. They can, John, I hope that this song is the most listened to song of the year. This is such a wonderful work of art that you have performed. And we'd love to have you back sometime. So please join us again, okay? Thank you. You know, the song is available for free. I, I thought it's important to make it for free, considering the context at com. Anybody can go there. It's on Spotify and all the platforms, but if folks want to download it for free and share it, uh, I'd appreciate that. And, and James, thanks for your platform. Uh, you know, you're, I've been a fan of yours a long time. Any friend of Craig Kitchen's a friend of mine. So thanks for everything. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Folks, that is uh, Five for Fighting. That is Five for Fighting. That's John Andrasik and James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. We're coming back, WABC. We'll be right back. Don't go away. And we're right here with you. That was from yesterday, John Andrasik, Five for Fighting. And I really enjoyed that segment. I enjoyed the song, of course. Hope you liked it, too. You know, the people in Ukraine are going through so much. There are some other stories today about how many of them are being blown to bits by Vladimir Putin's military just standing on a queue to get water. And some of the horror stories that we have seen coming out of Ukraine remind you of what the worst of humanity looks like. And we're just hopeful that that conflict can end very soon. And it just did an amazing job with that song. And so deeply, deeply appreciated and his time. When we come back in the next hour, of course, Princess Di is going to join us. We have some other politics of the day, some other news to focus on. And I don't want to take the focus off of the things that we have been discussing. The evil that is, has been discovered in an American children's hospital for children where young boys are being told that they have to hide their genitals, that they have to tape them up, or that they should, including what is going on at a 
camp, a camp for teenagers, where teenagers are being taught how to become prostitutes, how to become, quote-unquote, sexually liberated, how to engage in, in, in S&M and bondage. This is happening in your and my America, folks. This is not fringe stuff anymore. When you look at what is being taught in the schools and look at the reaction, look at the reaction in Florida when the governor and the state legislature stepped in and said, hey, you know what? No, we are not going to teach this. We are not going to open the door to children being sexualized in grades kindergarten through third grade. Look at the hissy fit that progressives and liberals are throwing because that has been stopped. Oh, yes, my friends. Hour three comes up on our three-hour excursion here on Saturday morning, the three-hour radio extravaganza. Remember, Larry Kudlow comes up right after this show. So you're going to want to keep it here on w- and music radio, <laughs> WABC tonight with Cousin Brucey. Keep it right here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're going to take a brief break. We'll be back. Hour number three. Hour number three comes up. James Golden. We'll be right back. And so quickly it has arrived, hour number three, Trey Hour, here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are the crown jewel of American radio. That is absolutely right. And later this evening, stick around, listen to music radio WABC. You know, we've got Tony Orlando here, Joe Piscopo. We've got Cousin Brucey, Dina Martin. I'll tell you what, you're going to just love a music radio WABC if you haven't checked it out. And I urge you to. And stick around after this show. Larry Kudlow comes up. Also, this hour, we will hear from our very own, Her Royalness-ness, Princess Diana. And, of course, your telephone calls. You can join us, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You know, Five for Fighting, John Andrasik is going to be at the Paramount Theater in Huntington later in the year. That show is scheduled for August, August 2nd. You may want to, uh, if you're a fan, reserve your tickets now. And um, that's right, Paramount Theater, August 2nd in Huntington, Long Island. Long Island. (laughs) So, you know, do your thing. Uh, There is, uh, there are a few other things that we should go to. Just when we were talking about all this sexual stuff, and I know there are people that don't want to hear this, okay, because it is disturbing. It disturbs the psyche. And I cannot tell you how it has disturbed my psyche. Because I just wonder, I don't understand the mentality behind this. I understand what some of the objectives are. And they have been called grooming. That's one of them. Recruiting. That's another one of them. 
But I don't understand the mentality that would allow this to happen. Parents in Alexandria, Virginia, have discovered that there have been sexual assaults in the schools there that have left one of the victims hospitalized. And again, here's another school board that refused to share the information with parents. It was finally uncovered by a Freedom of Information Act request. And this happened in Alexandria. Now, Alexandria, like Loudoun County, is filled with liberals. And how is it that in America, all these people that are supposed to be the heroes of the common man, all of these people that are supposed to be in favor of stopping violence against women, all of these people that for years and years have pointed their fingers at the rest of the country and said, we, you people, treat women horribly. How is it that they keep these things from the parents of young women who are being assaulted in these schools, along with all of this sexual education? that pretty much leaves women and men, but primarily women, as the victims. And then you get these Hollywood types, like Gabriel Union, who's saying that now she's disappointed, or even beyond disappointed, that Disney didn't take a stronger stand against Florida's quote-unquote don't say gay bill, which is a total misnomer. It is the parent's right in education bill because that is exactly what it is, a parent's right to understand what is being taught in schools and what and to stop schools from teaching things to young children between kindergarten and third grade that they have no business teaching in the first place. But here she is. You know, it's amazing to me. I wonder how many times these Hollywood folks that is so the celebrity, the celebrity class that speaks up so often, it's all knee-jerk. It's like they belong to the same club, so if they hear other members of the club say something, they've got to just chirp right in. I mean, these people have children themselves. I'm sure if the schools were teaching their children some of this stuff, they'd be the first ones running in there. What are you doing? Now, in other news... Uh, An appellate court has reinstated Joe Biden's climate policies. The U.S. Court of Appeals Fifth Circuit ruled that 10 Republican states who was trying to stop some of Joe Biden's climate policies, demanding that there be a social cost put on for every U.S. dollar spent that they just decided that, nope, we're not going to do that. This is just going to open up the door and make your energy more expensive. This is all, basically, it's a carbon tax. The value of the dollar value incurred by the U.S. for every additional metric ton of carbon emitted into the environment. Like, they can really, this is just such BS, And by the way, we're a carbon-based life form. That seems to elude these people all the time. Next week, I'm going to try to do a one-off, a one-off podcast on this news guard. This is one of the most dangerous things for conservative media. This news guard organization 
claims that they are like the nutrition label for news, and they give conservative media green marks, and they're, they're infiltrating the schools. The teachers' union has made an agreement to keep this news guard in, to infiltrate American schools with this news guard nonsense when they're looking at current event stories. So what they want to do is train American kids not to look at conservative media because they, of course, are going to be the, they're going to get the not passing label, the so-called truth police. Now, the truth police news guard, the the co-founder of this organization, news guard, called Hunter Biden's laptop session hoax. And these are the people that claim they want to monitor all of the news that your children get in schools. Okay, now there is an expose on AmericanWireNews.com, AmericanWireNews.com, Truth Police, NewsGuard's co-founder, called Hunter Biden laptop story, a Russian hoax, and I urge you to go look at it, read it, if you'd like, AmericanNewsWire.com. And I'm going to try to track down the reporter on this because this reporter has done uh, amazing research on who this group NewsGuard is. And we'll try to put that into a podcast that you can listen to. Again, as I mentioned in the first hour, Red Apple Media has an amazing library of podcasts for you to listen to. And you can find them on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Spotify, Apple, wherever it is, iHeart. But you can also get it right here, WABCRadio.com, WABCRadio.com. And we have some amazing con- podcasts coming up this week. We have another installment of The Future Is Now. And if you are at all interested in the new revolution that's taking place with cryptocurrency, with blockchain companies now coming into existence, this change that is occurring to the economy, not just of the United States, but of the world, is akin to the beginning of the Internet. These changes with digital currencies, and if you don't know this, by the way, your federal government right now is looking to develop its own digital currency. This is not going away. The economy is changing. And if you want to know some of the implications, just look at what happened in Canada. In Canada, their little thug, wannabe hero, PM, Justin, I wish I were as popular as my father, Trudeau, decided that he was going to unilaterally stop all payments coming into the truckers who were protesting for their freedom. Imagine that. And so he pretty much shut down their bank accounts. Well, guess what? In the new world that's developing with currency, he wouldn't be able to do it because cryptocurrency is out of the control of governments, which is why, by the way, the United States government, China, are trying to get into the digital currency so that they can continue to control your money. Remember what has happened in this country just in the past year. Joe Biden and the Democrats made very public that they want to get inside your bank account and track every single transaction of $600 or more. They want to know what you're spending money on, when you're spending it, 
And if necessary, they want to be able to shut you down. Well, cryptocurrency and digital currencies are changing all that, not just for the United States, but for the world. And you should learn about what's happening in that world. You keep hearing these things called fungible digital tokens. What is that? What is it? Well, we explain that and what it is. And that is also changing the world and changing how people do business. I'll give you a quick example. There was a story this week about a songwriter who decided to offer up her songs instead of going to Spotify using these FTDs, and her income went from $300 to over 60000 This is a brave new world we're entering in, and we're trying to catch you up on it with the Future Is Now podcast. We have another great podcast, The Four Truths, how there are four different types of truth. That's in the Science is Golden podcast. On the border, Todd Benzman is with us. If you don't know what's going on the border, there is a new surge coming that is being dissipated so it doesn't look like a surge. It's called an ant migration. And that's happening at your southern border right now. That's our latest podcast on the border. And that's what it's called, On the Border. And I guarantee you, if Todd Benzman were writing for the New York Times, Washington Post, because of his investigative work, he'd probably be up for a Pulitzer Prize. So you can find these, and every host here on WABC is doing their own podcast. And you can find them, Red Apple Media is doing these podcasts. You can find them wherever you download podcasts. So it's not just WABC. It's not just music radio, WABC. It is now podcast as well that you can download and listen to whenever you have the time to. So that is enough of the uh, shameless promotion. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Her Royal Highnessness, Her Royalnessness, Princess Diane and me will join us, and we will continue. Your calls also coming up. So don't go away. Right back. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Yes, my friends, it is that time of week that we all look forward to when we can bow down and genuflect before her royalness her highness her loveliness her most knowledgeableness-ness. ness Our princess, our very own royalty, our very own princess, Diana Me, welcome, your highnessness. How are you this morning? I am always so happy to hear your voice. (laughs) Sir James, the Duke of AKA Bo Snurdly. Yes. And for that guy who kept who wrote me and said, 
I'm so pathetic that I keep calling myself AKA Boast Nerdly. I hope you're getting enough AKA in your life now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he sent me an email. And by the way, if anybody else wants to send me an email, and by the way, Diana, Princess Policy, Your Highness, you get a lot of uh, mention. I have to forward you some of the emails I get about you. People love you. Oh, so. dear. Well, I will forward them on to my husband because he is not taken with the whole royalty thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should be used to bowing down by now. <laughs> oh, no. That is not happening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So now, sadly, D- Diane, I was so troubled. And I'm like, I was really troubled after yesterday when we talked about uh, what is going on in, in, in with this children's hospital. I, I still have a hard time believing that this is actually happening. But it is teaching young boys to tape up their genitalia, shove it inside their bodies or get underwear that hides the genitalia. And then today we hear about this sex camp that's open for teenagers to teach them how to be prostitutes, teach them self-abortions, teach them how to do S&M and bondage and all this. What in the hell is going on in this country? Well, as you noted in that story, that second story, this is camp, so to speak, started in 2012. These things have been going on under the radar for many, many years. And the latest fad in this whole agenda has been the transgender agenda. Before that, it was just sexuality in general that was kept secret deliberately from parents. There are all these third-party groups that are hired by school systems across the United States that are brought in with handouts of the most perverted kind of information. But the teachers themselves have sort of, you know, their fingerprints, so to speak, aren't on it directly because they bring in these other groups and they give out this information. And the parents are not informed. A lot of these are middle school kids who don't share with their parents or do. And once in a while, the parents will find out and it just becomes a, you know, a fight because this is the philosophy of the schools in the United States that the children of America belong to the teachers and to the teachers union. And that is why there is such anger amongst the left where parents are asserting these are our kids. These we get to have a say. In fact, we have the main say as to what our children are taught. And the the left does not agree. And that is the basic battle right now is to whose children are they? And the left believes they are society's children and they have the right to teach as much perversion, and that's my word, as they can get away with. And so far, they've gotten away with it for a long time. And only now are people waking up to, wait a minute, what what is being taught here? And they're looking into it. And we still have only uncovered the tip of the iceberg. And that's a frightening thought. I want to turn yeah. your attention and, and our attention to what happened at Yale University. There was a free speech debate. I've been reading about this all week. And... Yale University Law School. These are lawyers in training that are supposedly getting their education from one of the top two law schools in America. 
People regard Harvard Law as number one and Yale as number two or vice versa. At this, this was a, a, a normal, you know, kind of, it was supposed to be a debate between two folks or a conversation. And the students actually close to rioted in there because they didn't want to hear from the conservative panelists. They were literally yelling to her, literally fight you, bitch. And that's what they would do. They would literally, we're going to literally fight you, bitch. And that's what they were. These are law students that were yelling to a conservative speaker who was defending free speech. Now, this is laws. This is this is not some run-of-the-mill ghetto school. This is, and by the way, if anybody's offended by that, too bad. Go visit your local ghetto school and then talk to me about it. Um, oh dear. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I said it. This is not your average run-of-the-mill ghetto school. This is the ghetto school at Harvard, at, at Yale Law School. Well, there's a federal judge now that has been looking at this, and he's saying, whoa, maybe we ought to consider who we're hiring from Yale. What do you think is going on here? Well, first of all, this is absolutely normal for all elite universities. And like the same, same thing happens with regards to education of young children and sexuality happens in our elite universities and all universities. This sort of leftist mobilization, mob action, they call it direct action to shut down speakers, happens every minute of every day in every university in America. So the fact that this made the news is highly unusual because there were about 100 students who shouted down this free speech seminar. Now, there the two people who were scheduled to speak, one was uh, Kristen Wagoner, She's general counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom, which uh, protects religious freedom. They are named by the Southern Poverty Law Center as a hate group. So that is one of the motivations of any kind of leftist student group. They just look at the SPLC hate group list. They see these people are on it, and that justifies any kind of vicious intimidation that they can come up with at the time. And she was debating, Kristen Wagoner was debating Monica Miller, who is the legal director at the American Humanist Association, and her record is basically fighting establishment cause cases. In other words, trying to take religion out of any kind of legal um, official status across America. She's also an attorney for the Non-Human Rights Project. She wants personhood rights for animals. <laughs> that uh-huh. hasn't made it into any of the of the reporting. But because the conservative, Kristen Wagoner, after this experience of being intimidated and chased off of the campus, she went on Fox News. And that's how this has been covered somewhat, because what happened to her is not unusual. And in fact, all of the leftist sources are downplaying this completely. They are focusing on the speech rights uh, corralling by this circuit judge, Lawrence Silberman, who basically sent an email to all federal judges in the United States and, and saying, you know, don't hire these 
this this mob for your law clerks. And so the leftist media is upset at his email, not at what happened in this in this event, which, you know, Yale itself is saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. The people may have been drowned out for a while, but then they went on to have their events. So nothing bad happened. The fact the police escorted them out of there. It doesn't mean anything. It didn't really have to happen. That you know, they're claiming that the the fact that you could hear them in, in a recording, you could hear them screaming and yelling, and then going into the hallway and screaming and yelling and pounding and pounding on the walls. That was just their free speech. And so the left is justifying it and their right to, in a way, because there wasn't anything unusual. They do this sort of thing all the time. And why this one conservative went on Fox News and made a big thing of it is the problem. Unbelievable. Now, this Southern, uh, what is this, the Southern Law of the Thing? Southern Poverty Law Center, FTL. These people are being sued because they put every right-wing group on. They just hate the right wing. And they just, this is allegedly, hate the right wing. And they are they are being sued right now by a lot of people who said, we are not some kind of terrorist group. We're just right. enunciating our political beliefs. And, and they are being targeted by this group. So they're they're under lawsuit right now, and it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Well, you know that there have been people, unhinged people, who have used this hate group list to commit violence, and that is never brought out. You know the the fellow that who person shot that was shot in Washington D.C. Yes, yes, and there was a, a another group where there was a security guard who was injured. I believe he was stabbed based on someone looking at this hate group list and committing violence. So there is a problem there, but that's what motivated these these students as well. All right, last one. I'm going to ask you your opinion. The esteemed journalist Bob Woodward from the Watergate days is now <gasps> saying that President Donald Trump acted criminally in response to COVID. What? <laughs> what are you? I'm not going to even comment on it because I have to watch my language. I just, this, this guy, I can't stand him. What do you say? You see the name Woodward in a headline and you just, you know, I'm sorry. I had to force myself to read it because it's like, who cares? This in fact is based on his interviewing for his uh, 2020 book called rage. And he interviewed Trump 18 times. Now, why Trump allowed this during in the White House is a, another issue. But the book came out in September 2020. And this story made the rounds then that Trump basically his his point of view was he didn't want to create a panic. And so even though he was briefed by some who who claimed that this virus was deadly and was going to kill hundreds of thousands of people, that he did not want to create a panic. And so he did not repeat that information. And so that at the time, Woodward and others, you know, this was like a three-day news story about how horrible Trump was for not revealing that at the time. And so now he's trying to rerun this same story and gin up the same 
outrage. So, you know, to me, this this idea that he downplayed it to protect the public from having a panic is a legitimate presidential function. And at the time, you know, it didn't really upset the public uh, any more than they were. This idea that he kind of, you know, tried to keep this the public. And at the same time, he closed travel from China and then Europe. So his actions showed that he was being protective of the American public, and he only revealed the information in his way over time. So the fact that they're trying to rerun this same story tells you they got nothing. Bob Woodward, yeah, this is what you. This is this is the left journalist. Yeah, he wants to be the new incarnation of Edward R. Murrow, but guess what? Nobody's buying. Bob. Yeah, and and his colleague Bernstein, of course, is saying this is worse than Watergate because he says that every minute everything's of worse than Watergate because that's <laughs> yeah. the only thing he has to hang his hat on. Watergate, <laughs> yeah. all you know what most people in this country don't even know what Watergate was anymore. <laughs> Watergate, <laughs> Princess of Policy, Diana, me always always a pleasure, Your Majesty, to hear from you, and we look forward to next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sir James. WABC Talk, Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. We're back. Your call is coming up. Don't you dare go away. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. George Benson brings us back. This album produced by Quincy Jones, song written by Rod Temperton, Give Me the Night. And that is Patty Austin. I didn't even read the credits. I just know her voice. That's Patty Austin singing background on this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this um, George Benson, we were just talking about George Benson. What an amazing career he had. If you go back before he became the pop star, George Benson, which happened when he released the Breezing, the Breezing album. That was a Warner Brothers release. Breezing, that his, the hit song on that was This Masquerade. And that song just flew up the charts. And that's what brought George Benson to the attention of the pop world and commercial world. But before that, he was a really successful jazz artist with the CTI label. Now, CTI, that's Creed Taylor. They produce, their album covers were amazingly beautiful. Some of the best album covers ever made came out of CTI. And on that label were people like uh, Hubert Laws, uh, Diodato. Emilio Diodato, the Brazilian artist who, of course, uh, rose to fame with his version of 2001 Space Odyssey and all that stuff. And so you had George Benson doing a very different type of music there and not singing at all. People discovered he was a vocalist when he did his first uh, commercial record that was would be Breezin, when, and, and there was only one vocal on that. And that was this masquerade, but it became a huge hit, and the trajectory of his career changed entirely. Let's go back to the telephones, shall we? Let's go to Valerie in Long Island. 
How are you, Valerie? Welcome to WABC Hi. Talk Radio. Hi there. How are you doing this morning? Thanks for having me. Um, I have a response to the progressive who called in earlier. My granddaughter goes to school in the Westport School District in Connecticut, which is very affluent and very white. They called in Ibram X. Kendi. You know who he is, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They called him in to train the teachers, and this has been going on for a while now. It's a very liberal area. They implemented curriculum in 10th grade already, and now they're getting ready to introduce it in kindergarten. Uh, there's a group fighting this, and it's called... Um, WP, which means Westport, it's 06880, which is their zip code, dot com. But I, 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 my, my daughter and some of her friends are so upset because now they're thinking of pulling their children out of the school and putting them in Catholic schools. And what are they teaching in the school? What is this curriculum that they want to bring in, Valerie? It's It's showing how children have to learn to relate to other other uh, children, other cu- cultures. Uh, if you go on the website, WPO6880, you could read, read the whole article, and it will tell you exactly what they're teaching them. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing wrong on the surface with you have to relate to other cultures. But there's no, something no, but very it's, wrong when it's, your it's, culture it's, is an oppressor. Right. They're privileged, and there are a lot of other people who don't have what they have, So, which I do agree. But it's his, his uh, philosophy, which you, you must know about that. Yes, and a CR, this is what CRT is. It is making kids feel guilty because right. they're born white. And in some cases, they're born into middle class or upper middle class families. Therefore, you're part of the oppressor class. Therefore, you're evil. Therefore, America is unfair. Therefore, you don't like minorities. But see, the other side of this coin is what is directed toward black people and Hispanic people. You're not as good as those white people. And therefore, you are the oppressed one. So they start these kids off thinking that they are victims. And this is insidious. This is what this is the second part of being insidious with this. What they do is they begin teaching black kids, oh, you're never going to make it in America. America's not your country. Well, I'll be damned. Yes, America is your country. And every black American and every Hispanic American, you should be proud that America is your country. And yes, America has a past. But you have a past, too. And if you want your past to be one of victimization, have at it. Because the rest of us believe in achievement. The rest of us look back and say, we are American, and we're proud to be here, and we can achieve. This is our country that our ancestors gave their blood, sweat, and tears for. And were the circumstances great? No, they weren't. But this nation overcame all that. And you have just as much right to the American dream as anyone else. You are not a victim. You are not inferior. If you do the hard work, you too can achieve. Instead of going to school and learning how to do drill rap, learning how you're going to drill somebody, kill somebody, instead of glorifying violence, instead of worrying that you have the latest $200 pair of sneakers on and the latest $500 pair of sweatpants that you're going to let drag off your ass, why not sit down and learn? Why not sit down and learn how to do mathematics? Why not sit down and learn how to speak English instead of walking around with this ebonic nonsense? 
Okay, and if you do that, guess what? You, too, can achieve the American dream. You can work in any field you want to. You are smart. You don't have to sit next to a white person in order to become smart. You are smart. And that's not what they're teaching kids. They're teaching these kids that they are victims, that they live in an America that is inherently unjust and doesn't like them. And as a result, a lot of these kids grow up hating white people. And no one wants to talk about that racism. And that racism is prevalent. You know, every time some white kids do what this little idiot did in that school, uh, where what, where was it, Louisiana, throwing cotton balls at a black kid and whipping him, Oh, you'll see that all over the national news. But here's what you don't see. You don't see when these white kids are attacked by gangs of black kids in schools because that's not part of the narratives. But guess what? That is happening in schools around the country, too. But that racism is excused. There is no excuse for racism at all in America for anybody. And that includes black people. And until we start addressing the problems of culture in this country and what is going on in black culture. None of this crap is going to change. Eric Adams can go throughout every city like he is on this anti-gun tour. Oh, I'm taking my message of anti-gun to Chicago. Oh, next I'm going to go talk to my mayors in every city. Well, you're not talking to your mayors about what's important. You're talking to your mayors about who's bringing in guns to your city. You're not talking to your mayors about why so many black kids are growing up thinking that they have a right to take a gun and kill somebody else. Why is there no morality in these kids? Why do you have a kid in Atlanta picking up a chair and throwing it at another black teacher? The the teacher's black, the student's black, and nobody's complaining about that. He bloodies up this teacher's head. He thinks it's okay to pick up a chair and throw it as that, that video was out this week and throw it at the teacher. And then when the teacher picks up the chair and throws it back at this little super predator in training, then, oh, no, no, the teacher shouldn't have done that. Oh, hell yeah, the teacher should have done that. He's protecting himself against these little super predators because nobody else will defend teachers that have to sit in the classroom with these little thugs. This stuff has to stop. I'm sorry. I know I get myself worked up, but I am just, this stuff has to stop, folks. And we cannot keep putting our heads down and pretending it's not happening. It is happening. And the worst thing you can do is teach these young black kids that they have a right to be racist because white people are evil. This doesn't make any sense, and it's time to stop this crap in America. We are a better people than this. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, coming back. More calls right after this. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC. E. W. F. Earth. Wind. And fire on WABC Talk Radio 77.
That's right. Shine it bright to see what you can truly be. Tim in Springfield, Illinois. Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden. How are you, Tim? Well, hello, uh, Mr. Golden. This, yes. this is a pleasure. This is a this means so much to me. Um, I just uh, discovered uh, WABC station um, a month or so ago. I love this. I love the station. I love everybody on it. Thank you. And and I just want to say that Rush Limbaugh was so important in my life for about 30 years. I love that man so much. I, 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 the first time I heard him, I was in 1991 um, in Indianapolis. I was a house painter. And I thought he was a sports guy because he was talking about Magic Johnson, you know, when he when he came out with the the, the, the fact that he had HIV. Mm-hmm. And I listened. I said, who is this guy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't into politics or nothing back then. Um, but I, I said, this guy is very interesting to listen to. And, like, there, you know, at 30 years, whatever. I was with him, and I had a lot of uh, personal problems in my life <laughs> back in the nineties. Um, I was homeless for a long time. I was I just went through all kinds of problems with mental health. But from eleven to two, my friend Rush was with me, and oh. he just meant so much to me. And he got me through it. I've gotten a lot, you know, my life got better. But he was like my friend, you know. I, I remember being homeless in uh, Madison, Wisconsin back. Uh, and I, you know, the shelter would throw me out at 7 in the morning. And I had to wander around all day. And I'd always look forward to listening to Rush at 11. He was like a friend. He was like your friend. And he was like the friend to so many in this country, the friend that they never met personally, but he was a friend in their life. And look, thank you for that call. Thank you for remembering Rush in such a beautiful way. Um, all of us that love Rush Limbaugh will always love him. And we will never forget the impact that he's had on our lives. I know that for me, when, when when I hear you talking, yes, your friend, I dig it, and I understand it, because that's what he was to America, aside from giving us a point of view that no one else did in a way that no one else could. And uh, Rush will always be remembered with love and with gratitude from so many millions of people because of the great man that he was. Thank you, Tim, for your call. Jim in New Jersey, welcome WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden, a.k.a. Post Nerdly. Hey, James. Can you hear me, James? I hear you fine. Thank you, James. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to speak to you. Um, you've got to take an ancestry test, James. I think you've got some Irish blood in you. I do. Because you assert, you assert yourself. You know, I, I, I identify with your posturing. Thank you, know, you. You, you, take, you have an idea, you present it, and you defend it. You're not afraid of it. And that's called communication. 
you, everybody puts their parts on the table, and then we can sort them out and try to figure out what's similar and what's not and what works and doesn't. Human communication. You don't, sh- you know, and I like to, uh, you, your, your, your program, your program on ABC is very content rich. But at the same time, you're an entertainer. You know when to go to Bo and have Bo talk for you. It's marvelous. And uh, I am uh, 77 years old. And I remember something. Maybe you correct me. I uh, was introduced to the civil rights movement, watching TV and seeing hoses on people. And it seemed very brutal to both myself and my family that we were watching that. That's not the way things should be. And then I was introduced to the civil rights movement in college. And I totally supported it and agreed with it. And so, sir, and I was introduced to a word. I think it, you know, it may be an abonics word, maybe not. The word bro, brother. That was a word that came out of the civil rights movement. I, 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 with pleasure and with honor, I address you as bro. I consider you my brother in spirit. Thank you. It's an honor to be in the same room with you. Thank and please, you. if that offends you, let me know. It doesn't offend me. I love you. I love your spirit. And yes, you are my brother. And anybody think we're brothers. And so it's all good, man. That's me, exactly what human life is about. We have this let connection. Me let, mm-hmm. let me let me say something. This is uh, my friends will call this self pity and drama queen stuff. In nineteen in two thousand eleven, I learned a word that's a racist term. I didn't know it. I used it. Now, when I was a in my youth, I never used the N word. Never. There were other words with, that start with F and Q that we used that were very insulting. And subsequently, I learned they were not good words. Never used the N word. Uh, in my community, I was introduced to, and I'm going to, and once again, I'm going to use my vocabulary. I was introduced to a colored population, especially men, uh, semi-pro baseball players. We would sit there on Saturdays and Sundays when they played their league, and just amazed, clap. They, you know, they, 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 they were, you know, maybe they were. And so, what, give me to the point because we're running out of time. Just tell me what it is you want to tell me. I just want to tell you, I, I hope, listening to some of the other people on the show, there's a hat that has ABC and has James, uh, you know, your name on it. Is there such a hat? Yes, there is. And you can get it at the WABC store, James Golden, WABC radio store. Absolutely, there is. Joe, I am honored and privileged to have you in our audience. And thank you, bro. I appreciate that. WABC Talk Radio 77 let us go to Margaret and and uh, Ardsley. How are you, Margaret? I'm okay, James. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm calling for this two things about the kids. Number one, um, I seem to remember hearing in the news several years ago. No one's brought it up so far that I've known. Is that the human brain is not totally um, comes to maturity until you're about 25 years old. The rational part of the brain isn't complete until about that point. And I think children and who are thinking about gender reassignment need to have all the information they can up until that point. And when they're adults, then they can make their own decision. Right. But to, to force it on them is not the right thing. Margaret, you're brilliant, and, and thank you. And that study, by the way, is real. And what it says, particularly among men, is that men men 
achieve maturity later than women. Most women, by the time they're in their young 20s, are mature. That is something that doesn't happen to men until their mid-20s. Now, many women would argue that doesn't happen to men until they're in their 40s or 50s, and sometimes doesn't happen at all. But, you know, yes, there is a difference in maturity. You are absolutely right. And so what is going on in these schools, especially with these young kids who are nowhere near even understanding or capable of understanding their own sexuality to make decisions for these kids that will affect them for the rest of their life? Some people say it's child abuse. I'm right there with them. Gracie, New York. Gracie, how are you? Gracie, this morning. I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. And you're wonderful. And, and you have to, you're going to have a couple of rooms. I'm not going to give you a wing yet, but you have to have a couple of rooms in the Museum of Broadcast Excellence. <laughs> you know Thank what you. I'm getting at. Oh, yeah, I, Gracie. And that caller. Rush will never be forgotten, and that's why he's so hated. Now, why did I call? I called also about the caller from, quote, the Bronx. I'd like to know where he lives in the Bronx. Does he live in Riverdale? He missed the point. You explained everything really beautifully through the show. People have to believe. I'm not going to say black people are not at, were at a disadvantage, obviously. My father was an immigrant. He was white. Okay. We weren't rich, but you got to work hard. You have to have the fire in the belly. And the schools and society telling people, no, no, it's not your fault. No, it's somebody else's fault. That's never going to work. I have two sons. One has the fire in the belly and one doesn't. One really achieved and one doesn't. So whose fault is it? Is it my fault? Is it the successful brother's fault? And I was a teacher and my husband was a teacher in New York City, so I do know what I'm talking about. I love you, Gracie. Thank you so and much. I love you, too, and I'm out there listening all the time. Bye-bye, lovey. Bye-bye, Gracie. Love you so much. You know, what she's saying is amazing. I have friends. I have one friend who lives in Ohio, who is probably the hardest working woman that I have ever met, or one of them at least, and has been time and time again smacked down by circumstances and time and time again gets up, continues to work, continues to push for success and for achievement. And she's black, and I'll tell you what, Black people in America are capable of doing anything that anybody else is doing. And I am so sick, so sick of this culture by progressives that tells people all the time that black people are not capable. There's your institutional racism. And that's what we need to be fighting against. Let us go to Joe in Landing, New Jersey. Joe, how are you? I'm I'm doing okay, Bo. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And I want to start off with saying thank you for sitting in that seat. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) How how about it? It It's an important position that you got. Well, I agree with that, and I am so grateful. Let let me say something to you. I am so grateful to be here at WABC. Um, for those of you that don't know my history, I was WABC is where I met Rush, 
But before that, I was the very last music director at WABC, the very first producer of talk programming on WABC. This station is, and I refer to it as the crown jewel of American radio, it really is that. And all of you, you longtime listeners, remember. You remember Dan Ingram. You remember BDI, the big Dan Ingram show. You remember Ron Lundy. You remember Johnny Donovan. You remember Sturgis Griffin. You remember all these guys, Chuck Leonard. You know the history here. Those people in the industry know the history of Rick Sklar and of all the great talent that has come through here. And then, of course, the age of talk radio happened with WABC. And the shining example of that, of course, is Rush Limbaugh. This was his flagship station. Okay? This radio station is not only a part of New York, but this radio station is the part of American radio that is iconic. And it is a pleasure and an honor to be here each and every day, Monday through Friday at 4 o'clock. And on Saturdays, now at 7 o'clock in the morning, have your first cup of coffee with us. Remember, Larry Kudlow comes up next. And remember to keep it here tonight. The iconic Cousin Brucie. And we have so much more over the weekend. Music Radio, WABC. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Red Apple Media Podcast. You can find it all on WABCRadio.com. You can reach out for me, JamesGolden.com or BoSnerdly.com. Take your pick. I do it twice a day, news blast that you'll love during the week. In the meantime... Remember, we are Pennsylvania, we are New Jersey, we are Connecticut, we are New York, the greatest city in the world. And this is America, a nation like no other in the humanity of this world. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families and look with special favor on those people suffering in Ukraine. We'll see you Monday. Bye. Bye.